Okay, welcome everybody to another episode of Space Flicks. This is the podcast where we review a movie and decide if it's worth the cost of beaming out to a lonely astronaut in space. Um, however, today we're going to do something a little different. Yep. Uh, uh, we're going to do the top 10 films of 2019. Yeah, we are, uh, we're quarantined at home still. Uh, with uh, virus raging in the world around us, and we decided what better way to spend the time than to think about some uh, wonderful movies that we saw last year because we ain't seeing any movies this year right now. Not a ton, that's true. Um, although I did see Trolls World Tour. <laughs> I don't know if you are aware that movie came out for streaming. I am aware. I'm sort of uh, holding off on that as long as possible. Does Lyndon not like Trolls? She liked Trolls fine. Um, but she's not clamoring for it. She would rather just mm. watch another princess movie, you know? Sure. Yeah. Well, as soon as Onward became available, uh, Violet and William were very excited for that. So we bought that. Uh, I think I bought it. Yeah. I think it's just available to buy now. It's also on Disney plus for free. It is? Yeah. Oh, jeez. Wasted my money. <laughs> well, it's, it's okay. I don't think... They must, have, they must have had it not on Disney Plus for like a week or something. Right. I think that's right. Yeah. And I mean, you're not alone. I think a lot of people did that. Um, but with that being said, uh, that this is a teaser because I am sure probably next week we will talk about Onward. Yeah, we'll talk about Onward. Pixar's um, latest emotionally crushing film. Okay. Yeah. I kind, of, I kind of feel the same way. So I was, I was wondering if your reaction was like that as well. Um, but we'll talk about Onward next time. Uh, yeah, we actually were... So I think we we'd talked about doing an episode like a best of 2019 for a while. And um, there were just like movies that, that we wanted to finish. We wanted to complete our sort of... Uh, our run yeah. of, as all the movies we wanted to see in 2019. Yep. And we did that. And I think the last one was Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Yep. But, then, but then we didn't... I basically hadn't put enough thought into what my list actually was. So, so we, I think the, the timing of this episode is a little awkward because we already reviewed the invisible man, which is a 2020 movie. Yep. Um, but otherwise this is basically putting a, you know, this is capping off our, the whole slate of 2019. Yes. This is the, reviewed. this is the definitive evaluation of 2019. No That's other right. movies shall be considered. Uh, <laughs> this is the list. This is the list. So um, I think the way we're going to do it is um, we're just going to kind of go back and forth. Uh, we actually haven't, you might have shared with me what your list was, but I don't remember it. So, um, or you might have shown me like a preliminary draft or something like that. Yeah, I had a, I had a running list uh, throughout the mm -hmm. year. So I just sort of, as I saw a movie, I would just sort of quickly scan the list and without putting huge amounts of thought into it, would just sort of place it where... <laughs> I was like, it's better than this, but not as good as that, right? That's sort yeah. of how I ended up placing it in place. Yeah, I mean, I think that makes sense. That makes sense to end up with a top 10 because they're all relative to each other. Yep. Like six is better than seven, but not as good as five. Yep. That's the premise. That was how I did it. Um, uh, so I, I put that together myself. So we're going to go back and forth. So um, I guess the way we'll do it is you'll say what your top 10 is. You'll say a little bit about it, like what you liked about it. It's obviously not going to be an in-depth review. Um, but then I will respond with what my top 10 is, and we'll have a little, uh, potentially a, a little argument <laughs> about right. whose pick is better. Yep. Um, 
but uh, probably not much of an argument. Yeah, where it's going to be really interesting is if my if any of my top ten, uh, or excuse me, if any of your top ten like are not on my list at all. For example, well, I, I, right. I mean, it's unlikely that our lists are the exact same ten right. movies. So that, there's very likely to be some on yours that aren't on mine, and vice versa. I'm curious to see if there's any like serious surprises. Yeah, yeah I don't yeah. think there will be. I should but. be able to tell you like approximately how far uh, down the list one any of your right. picks are. So I don't know. Okay, so yeah, let's get started. All right, Adams. Let's do it. Adams number ten, tenth best movie of 2019 in my estimation uh-huh. was. Ready or not? Wow, that's mine too. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> Ready or not? No, that movie was great. Um, yeah, it's when I it, when I was comparing it. Sorry, I'll, I'll let you go first. Yeah, it de- I mean, yeah, the thing to call the thing to say about Ready or Not is that uh, it very much was, I think, uh, our 2019 version of Upgrade, where yeah, we saw yeah. it relatively early in the year. And we're like, that was really good. Uh, I mean, you know, it's... A lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. It's a small movie. I'm sure other movies will probably bump it out of contention. But, you know, really respect and really liked uh, my time at the movies there. And then I just kept seeing movies, dozens and dozens more movies. And it was (laughs) sort of like, Ready or Not still better than all of these. I just don't remember um, feeling as tense. uh, There were several parts where I laughed really hard. And I say... And I would say the ending of that film was maybe the hardest I laughed in a movie theater oh, all year, yeah. right? It's a great ending. Uh, yeah. I just was like, just I thought it was hysterical. Um, so, and I thought it was a great uh, breakout performance from uh, Samara Weaving, right? Just thought she was mm-hmm. tremendous, uh, yeah. and just um, you know, just a really solid uh, sort of like genre um, B movie that like basically punched above its weight and like played like an A movie. To me yeah yeah i think it's um i like it i think it, there's something really impressive about when a movie has kind of an absurd premise but commits to it and and gets away with it you know like like pulls it off i think um i mean probably the most extreme example i can think of is being john malkovich we're just it it's 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 a completely ludicrous idea for, for like to make a movie about that. And then right. it, but it does it and it treats it very seriously. I feel ready or not is a little bit that way too, about this, you know, family with this sort of deal with the devil and they have to play this game. And if the game is hide and seek, yeah, <laughs> then they have to kill. Like it's, it's, it's just like, that's ridiculous. But the movie takes it seriously. It, it sort of like walks that razor's edge of, it plays it seriously for the most part, but still has a lot of absurd and kind of funny elements. Yeah, the, um, the characters but, understand how ridiculous it is, right? Y- y- right, and, and it never really makes fun of the premise, I, right. I feel. I feel that the there's a lot of silliness and there's a lot of, like, the m- movie having a t- its tongue in its cheek, but it's um, but the premise itself is treated like, no, that's that's how it works. Right. Right. They're like, yeah, I know this is crazy, but like it is what it is. You know, like I don't I don't want to I don't want to. Which is I feel like what makes the ending so great, kind of. Right. Right. Oh, my God. It's it's part of what makes the ending so great. Um, Okay. well, total guess. Total alignment. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I could tell you were not expecting us to match on that one. 
Yeah, I, I mean, put it this way. When I look at, I mean, I think we should at the end of this talk about the movies that, like, for example, didn't make individual mm-hmm. lists. Uh, yeah. But if I te- but if I showed you what is right below it, I feel like I would. I feel like a lot of people would not be happy with me. But we'll get. Oh, okay. That'll be a teaser well, we'll for get, the. Yeah. Yeah, we should get. We should. We should finish the top ten, and then we should talk about the stuff. The sort of, you know, honorary mentions that yep. fell 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 just. Just a little bit short of that top ten. Okay, so what's your number nine? My number nine is The Irishman. Okay, that is my number. Uh, Hold on, ten. don't don't tell me what number it is. Okay. Oh, don't, oh, really? Don't spoil it. All right. So so it's on your list, but it's higher than nine. Uh, yes, I will say that. Yes. Um, okay. Well, The Irishman, I I really liked. I would say it's it's there are some movies like this where. I feel like I, I like it a certain amount, and then we talk about it, and I like it more. Okay. <laughs> and, the Ir- and the Irishman was like that. To be clear, I don't mean like talking about it on a podcast made me like it more. It's more just like I feel like talking about it with someone else who also saw it. Um, you know, the talking about it kind of brings out more, more elements that I sort of become more explicitly appreciative of. Um, so I think, so I guess what I'm saying is if we hadn't talked about it, I'm not even sure it would have been in our top, in my top 10. Yeah. But, um, but I, I just really liked, um, for sure. I think, I think you helped me appreciate how special Joe Pesci's performance is in the movie. Um, and just kind of how unique the movie is in the sort of combination of its subject matter with its tone. Yeah. I think it's like when you're watching the movie, I sort of have all these things in my head, like it's Martin Scorsese, he's an older man now, Robert De Niro and Al Pacino are older now, it kind of makes sense that the tone would have, would be different like this, Yeah. but then sort of stepping back and thinking of it with a little bit more distance, I'm like, no, that's a really special thing, that's not, they don't, there aren't a lot of movies that I can think of that, that feel like The Irishman, Right. And so, um, yeah, and I mean, I think it was really well made. I think it's a very long movie, you know, but I think it, I don't think it was longer than it needed to be. Um, so that's why, uh, that's why it's my number nine. What's, yeah. what's, what's your number nine? The Farewell. Oh, the, okay. fa- the Farewell is my number nine. Um, the Farewell uh, has some some moments in it that are just genuinely moving to me. Uh, and despite, I think some, some parts of the, of the film that have a little bit of sort of artifice or, um, there's something about them that really feels very try hard, uh, about the, the filmmaking in certain cases. I just felt like the fundamental, uh, idea that, we have a family who cares very deeply for one another, that they are, um, you know, willing to take on burdens for one another that, uh, feel almost, you know, unsustainable or impossible. Uh, just really, I just found to be a really touching story. Um, the sequence where Aquafina is talking to her uncle and he's talking about, uh, how the family's job is to carry the weight so that, the the matriarch doesn't have to right Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and just i just found to be very profound and very beautiful and so um it's not certainly the most exciting movie but i did i certainly felt a tremendous 
uh, pathos during the film and uh, and a lot of and in some ways a lot of joy too. Like whenever the grandmother character is is uh, is on screen, I basically felt like just a ton of joy. Um, so a really touching film, uh, and I'm looking forward to you know the the next movie by by that filmmaker. Yeah, um, Wong. So, so I I liked the farewell, but I should. I should say something about myself. If you don't know this already, I think you do, Adam. But I like almost every movie that I see. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so to, to to give you a sense of this, I was looking at my list for this year, and there's 30 movies on it, and I think the only one I didn't like was number 30. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I liked one through 29. Yeah. Uh, so that's so that's some context for you. But anyway, that said. I feel like it's important to say that because I, I want to say the farewell is is way below number ten on like it's not it's not even close to the top ten for yeah, me yeah um, but I still liked it yeah. and I think I think it had some really beautiful moments in it like the ones um, you cited for example I think at the risk of sound I mean this is I definitely don't you know I don't know where I get off saying something like this but I think for me it's just as far down as it is because. I found it kind of boring. Right. I think it was like really slow and it did have some beautiful moments and some thought provoking things like, like the ideas that it, that it put forth about how, you know, this, the, the family sort of like some of the family's views in this Eastern culture versus, um, you know, Aquafina's characters, more Western, um, view on things. And I think it really beautifully, you know, draws some distinctions between those and, without, you know, casting a value judgment of which is better. Um, and it's, and it's a really nice intimate portrayal of this family, but yeah, I mean, it's what, like 90 minutes or two hours of just, um, of just a lot of it was not super compelling to me. It was sort of like, sort of like, okay, you know, just watching people sit and eat and talk. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) Um, having been to, I mean, it's funny. I, this was not something that, uh, when I saw the film was like, uh, resonating with me because it's just the way the timelines worked out. But having been, you know, before that movie and, and more recently having been to funerals, right. Mm, Um, mm. it, not that that movie's about a funeral per se, but it kind of is. Right. It's, a, uh, it's about a funeral yet to happen. Right. Yeah. There's something just about the tone of the film that really did feel like this is what it feels like when a family comes together mm-hmm. to grieve. Yeah. It's like there's this sort of veneer of like sadness coating the entire thing. But there's also yeah. like boredom and oddity. Right. And mm-hmm. people trying mm-hmm. to sort of like shake themselves out of that sadness through you know, through drinking and eating and just talking about other things. Right. Um, so in that way, it really, it really resonated with me as being very true. I agree. It's not like a, it's not a barn burner. It's not an exciting movie. Uh, but it just, it worked for me emotionally. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I think there's movies in my list that you could, that a different person would say are boring. Um, Uh so, so it's like, I know that, that that's an oversimplification, like something, it's not that it's slow. I mean, I just said the Irishman, which is also a very slow movie. Right. Yep. But, um, but yeah, I guess something about maybe, maybe, maybe a lot of movies that are slow, they still have something that keeps me engaged through the movie. And I feel like with the farewell, it was more, 
again, there were, there were some truly standout moments and scenes that I will remember. I mean, that's, that will stick with me. Yeah. Um, but I think all, a lot, there was a lot of stuff in between that just kind of didn't. And that's just a, a personal, that's just how it hit me for yep. whatever reason, for better or worse. So, yep. But yep. I totally understand, you know, I, I do agree that there's some truly beautiful stuff in that movie. All right. My number eight, right? Your number eight. Yep. Let's hear it. Ford v. Ferrari. Ah, okay. Big cars go yeah. vroom vroom. <laughs> I'm not going to argue it. So it's not, it's not as high as that. So it's not in my top 10. Yeah. Um, it's, it's pretty close though. I, I, it, it's, we talked about that movie, right? I mean, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's a great, it's just kind of a, it's almost a straightforward, like Hollywood popcorn movie. Although it's not really because, totally. because the, the, the sort of main storyline is not your, your standard, like crowd pleaser, satisfying outcome, but it's, it's so close to being that. I though. think that's what I like about it. I, th- I, yeah. I, think, I mean, aside it's from just like a twist. Yeah. Aside from the fact that you've got charming performances, it's like a classic, it, it feels very like a classic Hollywood movie. But mm-hmm. the fact that in many ways Ford is the villain and Ferrari's like the sort of secret hero, right, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. is just a wonderful subversion of the entire idea, right? Yeah. Uh, and so aside from it's awesome to watch. I mean, I watched it again uh, not too long ago. Um, yeah. And it just just the like the feeling in your guts of like a loud car driving on a track is wonderful the music is great the performances are fantastic but the fact that you're actually seeing something that's very anti-establishment at the end of the Mm day Mm -hmm. right it's just sort of a that adds a thrill on top of the entire thing um and so uh i wish you know that's exactly the kind of movie i wish there was you know 10 more of every year because it's like oh yeah i love a good hollywood movie like i don't want to um undersell that but i love it when they actually have a little bit of a brain and a little bit of like uh there's there's something a little bit uh you know anti-establishment or punk rock about that movie which i like yeah yeah no totally agree um I wouldn't, I, I won't dispute anything you say. I think, um, it, you know, on a different day, if I were to recompile this list, c- could it make its way into the top 10? Possibly. Yeah. I think, um, put it this way though, it, because since it, since it is the boundary, when I think of ready or not, there's just some, there's just like some kind of fondness that I feel for that movie that sort of edges makes you know gives it an edge over like a Ford v Ferrari like Ford v Ferrari I I do remember fond, I do I do think of fondly don't get me wrong but it doesn't it's it's just missing that um that something special that yeah. or not has for me well yeah for whatever reason right there's something like Ford v Ferrari it's like it's really good it's like well it had better be <laughs> right yeah, for like yeah, a yeah. movie with that pedigree like it had better be really right. good that's that's yeah, uh, I think that's part of it. Yeah, yeah, probably that Ready or Not was more more surprisingly good, and right. Ford v Ferrari was good as expected. Yeah, for yeah. me. Um, okay, so uh, my number eight. I feel like this might be one of the ones that causes the most disagreement, or at least surprises you the most. So number eight for me is Where'd You Go, Bernadette. Okay, all right. 
Uh, I know that's not in your top 10. It is, it is, uh, it's funny. Like, so the exact reaction that you had with the farewell, right? Uh Uh I'm having that reaction with where'd you go, Bernadette? It's like, and, and in fact, uh, similarly, you're like my only movie you didn't like was your number 30. Mm -hmm. I have 46 movies on my list and Uh the delineation point for me between movies I liked and movies I kind of didn't like is uh-huh. movie number 36 on that list of 46. And okay. Where'd You Go, Bernadette, for me, is number 35. Right? Oof, okay. So just, it's like, just, like, just, I, like I, just, just I, I liked cut. it, you know, but yeah, it's like yeah. not, a, not a lot. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, it's funny. I remember we, so two things. I remember, I feel like I had to kind of push you to even see that movie. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, I remember like multiple weeks in a row, it was like, which one do you want to see? And I was like, where'd you go, Bernadette? And you're like, how about this other one? <laughs> right. I think that <laughs> happened a number else. of times. Right, yeah, yeah. And then, but then also, um, uh, after we saw it, we just talked about it a little bit without really getting into how much we liked it. Yeah. And you just, and you said something along the lines of just like, I think you were just like assuming that we both thought it was just okay. Yeah. You know? Okay. And I, and, and I was like, well, I kind of loved it actually. And you were like, oh, good, good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, good for you, you know? Um, but no, I did, I did kind of love it. And I think, um, so I think the biggest part of why is just Kate Blanchett's performance. Um, I really liked the character of Bernadette. I think, um, like, I mean, it, it, she really like the movie really emotionally affected me because I don't know if I would say like I identified with her cause it's not like she's like similar to me, but it's just, uh-huh. I just, I just so felt that I was kind of feeling her experience of, you know, the movie sets it up, sets it up pretty well that, you know, she's this incredibly talented artist essentially, you know, she's an architect, yep. and, but she's, but she's sort of trying to not do that. You know, she's trying to just be like a good mom, which is important to her, but is not the thing that sort of like sets her soul on fire, you know? Right. Um, But it's a struggle and she has to deal with all this sort of inane, you know, all these inane sort of everyday humdrum responsibilities. PTA stuff. Yeah. Like like weed barriers, retaining And I just love her character because she is trying, you know, she's not like, she's not aloof. She's not like, I'm better than this. Yeah. It's like she's like she's like an artistic genius who's trying to just do a normal thing, but you can see that it's like killing her and but, she's not very good at it. And I don't think she's <laughs> and, quite aware that it's killing her. No. You know what I mean? Like and, and, and it you know, and it's causing her to be resentful and it's causing her to be unhappy. Yeah. Um but it's it's just so simple. I feel like the movie just paints at least her family but mostly her, like in such a sympathetic light, like you see where she makes mistakes, you see where she is, is, is at fault, you know, but you just also see that her heart's in the right place and she's trying to do the right thing. And I feel like the, the ending of the movie to me is so satisfying because, because it's like, she's not trying, I, I, I almost, it's, it was almost, uh, it was very much not what I was expecting because the movie starts out and sort of gives this foreshadowing of like my mom, like abandoned us, you know? Right. And you're, expe- you're, ex- I'm expecting her to be this very unlikable person. Who's just, who's just like, you know, doesn't care about her family and chooses to leave. 
But then the way it plays out, like I said, I feel like I so understand that she is trying, that she's tried really hard. Yeah. And by the end, when she sort of eventually goes to do her own thing, I feel like it's, it's this, um, it's almost like this sort of revelatory, um, chapter in her life where, you know, on an airplane where they're like, you have to put the oxygen mask to your own face before you, before you give it to your child. Right. It's like she realizes that by not pursuing her dreams and her passion and her genius, she's like made herself worse for her family. Yep. You know, she's like not able to be the woman she needs to be. And by actually doing this sort of counterintuitive thing of like, I have to pursue what I love and that'll make me a better mom and a better wife. And it'll, you know, it'll like actually heal our family. Yep. Um, is is how I feel the movie ends. And you know, her and her husband and daughter are like thrilled when they finally understand what's happening. Yeah. Um, so I just thought that was like so beautiful. And I and yeah, I mean I could totally see another person seeing this movie and being like, what is this garbage? You know? <laughs> but like but for me, for whatever reason, I think it just hit all the right notes. Yeah. And um and I mean and I think it totally rests on Kate Blanchett's shoulders. I think she's just pretty amazing in this movie. Um, amazing at sort of conveying all of that, you know, she has to be relatable, but also convey that she sort of like was not meant for this situation and really needs to be, um, really needs to be like revisiting the thing that she truly loves and that is special about her. Yeah. She's a fantastic performer, obviously. And then I think the movie does, um, a really good job with a lot of its details, uh, like the house that they live in and the mm-hmm. way that their house is quite different, overgrown, ramshackle, patchwork compared right. to like their neighbor's homes, right? The car that's being driven, right? Um, the fact that uh, Bernadette, uh, when she's sort of in her kind of walkabout period, right? Mm-hmm. Just like her, um, she's despite her kind of existential malaise and her depression she's still like effervescent and funny and fun Mm -hmm. you know what i mean oh yeah 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 like that's just who she is and you can still be funny and sad right yep um and so i think the movie does a lot of like it it feels like a real i think you're right that that character is is a really great character and i think certainly a lot of it is the performance but i think a lot of it's like on the page. The writing too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The writing for sure. And so, yeah, I, I absolutely agree um, that uh, it's a really interesting, sympathetic, uh, compelling character and story. Uh, like, it didn't work for me as a film, like, as, as well as it did for you, but I absolutely see why it resonated with you, and that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it, to me, it's like a movie that lives or dies uh, on how much you like Bernadette. Like, I could uh-huh. totally see some viewers just don't really find her likable. And it's like, well, you're going to hate the movie. Then. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I mean, that's like, that is the movie. The movie is her, basically. So Yeah, absolutely. I, I guess I just really, really liked her. Yeah, so, that's cool. So hence, I loved the movie. Um, okay, let's go on to number seven. My number seven, right? Yep, your number seven. Okay, my number seven is Marriage Story. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I mean, all the, I mean, you know, it was nominated for Academy Award, uh, obviously, uh, I think great performances from Scarlett Johansson and Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver. Um, very bittersweet movie, 
um, very real, like just has a ton of realism, um, similar to, similar to where'd you go Bernadette? Like you were just saying about sort of the details in the movie. I feel like this one is similar and just, they feel like a real couple going mm-hmm. through this real situation. Um, you know, uh, even, even the way, you know, a standout scene, which we talked about in our episode on, um, marriage story, like the scene where Scarlett Johansson is talking to her lawyer for the first time. Yep. Um, that feels so real in, in the, in the way that like in, in real life, often when couples or, or people who love each other have, have issues, they're sort of difficult to really articulate concisely, you know? Right. Um, and I think this movie does a good job of, of, of conveying that, how she has all these thoughts that sort of come pouring out of her that help, that help you to understand what the problem is in their marriage. Um, but, uh, but it's not like, it's not like here's one sentence that tells you everything you need to know. Right. Yeah. It's not like he cheated on me or, you know, he, whatever he, um, he betrayed me or something. It's like, it's more a million little things. I mean, there are some big things in there too, of course, right. but, um, yeah, I think, I think it's a pretty special movie. Um, mainly just because of how, um, how well it captures, how well it captures the reality of that situation of divorce, but also, but more importantly, like the emotions, it sort of makes you feel for both characters, doesn't vilify either. Right. Um, and, and, um, and gives, yeah, just like a very human, human view of it. To me, that's the minor miracle of the movie is how there's really not a bad guy. Right. Yeah. Um, I feel like, uh, it's just so ingrained in, I feel like human nature to want to have somebody to blame or vilify for conflict, right? Like mm-hmm. every conflict needs somebody to be wrong, right? Some, yeah, somebody har- somebody did the wrong thing and that's what caused the conflict. And I feel like the movie's, a, I, I think it's basically a masterpiece uh, and the thing that, really sort of puts it over the top for me is the fact that I fully understand basically every character's point of view and what every character wants. And I Mm -hmm. understand why they want those things and I don't blame them for wanting them. Right. Um, and so, uh, the fact that it's able to sort of walk that tightrope so elegantly and seemingly effortlessly, um, is, uh, is pretty stunning to me for sure. Yeah, I I um I don't think that the movie really necessarily explores this idea. Um it does I mean it does kind of make you think along these lines though, which is that I often think there there's probably people that, you know, have have legitimate um you know, mental disorders or just have gone through serious hardships in their life and and the way they think is you, you might call them bad people, you know, if you kind of understood how they think about the world. But right. that my suspicion is that most people, the majority of people, if you could really understand their circumstances and their thought process and everything that they've experienced in their life, they're not bad people. And, and when they have even major, um, you know, vendettas or conflicts with others, it's often like, it's not because one is a good person and one's a bad person. 
it's it's like these can be people who really are decent people and want you know want what's best for themselves but also what's best for others and it's just a com- complicated yeah. uh combination of factors that led them to this conflict yeah and and a big part of it is that they don't fully understand each other's circumstances right right um and it's that's kind of part of the tragedy of of the real world in my mind is there's so many fights and conflicts and things that exist that are ultimately misunderstandings or, or just ultimately stem from a lack of, of clearly seeing each other's point of view. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so I think this movie is a nice sort of like surgical, uh, precise, uh, examination of that on, on sort of the smallest possible scale, which is two people. Yeah. Right. Um, but I agree with you. Uh, there's not really a, there's not really a bad guy, and that is the minor miracle. And 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 of course, if you if you look at individual details of their marriage, there's probably sort of a, a or there could arguably be at least a, a person who's in the right or in the wrong for any given individual detail. But it's like if you zoom out, there's not really those are each each one of those is kind of understandable. Yeah, you know, like you kind of understand why that person did the quote unquote wrong thing in that situation. Right. Right. And, and I think to your point, that's what makes it feel so alive is that I think mo like that's what people are, right? Yep. People are just trying to do and the right thing as best they can, given their circumstances and their understanding of the world. And it just, everybody perceives that differently. And, and normally in the real world, when someone is in the wrong and when one of those small specific circumstances, they, they feel bad about it later, right? They regret yeah. it. And they feel remorseful, and I think that's the case in this movie. Yeah. Right. Yep. Wonderful movie. All right. All right. So that's my number seven. My number seven is your number nine. I've is the Irishman. Right. Oh, okay. Um, gotcha. So. Uh, so they're not too far apart. No, not too far apart. It's a movie I quite liked. Um, uh, it wasn't enough to put it in sort of the top echelon of movies for me. And I think um, sort of we sung its praises a moment ago. I think the re- the reason it's not ranked higher is just it um, it it appealed to sort of the parts of my emotions that I uh, there are emotions I don't like as much, you know. <laughs> uh huh. Um, you know my sort of like there's a like sadness and like like sadness and sort of dwelling on mortality and regret, like those sorts mm-hmm. of feelings, right? And the right. filmmaking what sort of reflected that and so it didn't have that typical like snap crackle pop that like a Scorsese that a sort of maybe a Scorsese movie 20 years ago might have right right um and so in that regard it's a movie I quite admire and for all the reasons that we talked about in our podcast uh but um just it 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 wasn't enough for to, to crack sort of the top the top tier for me but again you know it's a it's another great film from Scorsese uh, you know, every film from that dude is a gift. <laughs> yeah, agreed. I, I don't think I've seen a, a bad Scorsese movie for sure. All right, um, but moving right along, uh, I'll go to my number six. Okay. Right. My number six is Ad Astra. Oh, okay. So that's a movie that, um, for whatever reason, just does work for me. Uh, I I think somehow if you if you take like dad issues and put them in (laughs) and put them in space like i like that way better than just a movie about dad issues you know what i mean like oh totally like because people were sort of like 
uh, I, you know, it's like two and a half hours where Brad Pitt just needs to go to therapy about his dad issues. And I was like, yeah, but it was in space. Like, did you see the part <laughs> where it was, where it was in space? Um, and so, uh, for me, just, it's, um, it's a heart of, you know, we love heart of darkness style stories on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, love us some Brad Pitt, uh, the encounter that he has with Tommy Lee Jones at the end of the film, I find to be in, like extremely memorable, uh, and a mm-hmm. little bit crushing, um, and ultimately quite, uh, you know, quite transcendent actually. Um, and so, uh, just a, a really solid, quiet space movie. Uh, I think it is a, not cer- certainly no movie will ever be like the appropriate heir to 2001 but i i do think it sort of sits in that lineage right mm-hmm. um of a contemplative movie about sort of our existence and sort of our relationship to the to the infinite uh through the prism of a guy just trying to sort of make sense of his totally broken relationship with his father really worked for me really resonated uh with my um you know just the the feeling that there's always going to be a divide between you and the people you love and they're never going to quite love you or understand you the way that, the way that you wish. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't undersell. I mean, I know you were sort of being, being silly a moment ago by saying like it's in space. So, so it gets a, a boost. Right. But I actually think, I think we talked about this in our review of that movie that, there's something that, that makes it very literal, you know, the, that he's going out into the vacuum of space, sort of like as far removed as possible from, from where he came from to try to find answers. Yeah. And I think, I think there's, it's probably like the movie, a movie with the same arc could probably work, um, if it were still earthbound, but as long as the, the protagonist's journey were like sufficiently epic and sufficiently, um, like taking him very, very far from where he started, mm-hmm. you know, and, and to a very, very remote location. Yeah. Um, I think that's what sort of makes the, the, the message about, you know, about Brad Pitt trying to deal with his father issues. It makes it work so well. Yeah. Um, and you know, and like basically what he ultimately finds about, about sort of being alone. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, it's not quite in my top 10. It is close. Um, I can't quite put my finger on, I feel like this movie, I, I have a, a weird, um, I can't quite put my finger on what it is about this movie. I think it like, it feels like it should be higher. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, like I, 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 it's like almost in that lineage with 2001, like you said for me, but just something, it's like, it just misses a little bit. And I can't, I'm, I, I, unfortunately, like, I'm just going to bat, I'm, I'm going to stop talking, um, because otherwise I'm just babbling cause, cause I can't articulate why. Um, but it just falls a little bit short for me and I'm, and I'm not sure why, the, but, um, there's something, um, I, I, I feel like at the end of the day, Ad Astra is more about a single person and their relationship to humanity and their relationship to 
his you know his relationship to his father mm-hmm. and so uh it feels like a very personal movie right mm-hmm. a movie like 2001 feels like it is about capital m man you know what i mean yeah yeah, and yeah like, totally and so in that regard there's something a little bit more operatic or a little bit more ambitious about 2001 right um, where it's really, it really does feel like it's trying to say something about existence and the nature of man's place in the universe that I don't yeah, think I Ad think, Astra is trying to get at necessarily. I, I, I don't know. I think, I think Ad Astra is, is kind of doing that too. Um, at least for me, I mean, when we talked about it, I think we, I think we went over this in our review, but, um, I feel like it is making a point about about looking for meaning or looking for purpose or looking for place sort of outside yourself. And, and that the point is you will look, if you're looking outside yourself, the, the expanse is endless and you, your journey, your search will never end and you will never find answers. Right. Yeah. And And that, and that the only way to find any, any semblance of meaning is to look within, not look without. I think, and I think that's almost, um, in some ways I feel like the punchline of Ad Astra is necessarily more deflating than the pun mm. than the punchline of a 2001 <laughs> yeah right it's not exactly it's not exactly inspiring i, I mean yeah. i kind of loved it right like that's one of the reasons <clears> on my <throat> list is because ad is like basically is this interesting counterpoint to like a 2001 right 2001 mm-hmm. is like if you go far enough right and you look hard enough you will find profundity right <laughs> like you will find enlightenment right yeah. like you will find man reborn Right. Mm -hmm. And at Astra's like, there ain't no life nowhere, man. Like it's, it's just us. You could go as far as you want and there's nothing out there. And it's sort of like, we want to believe that there is something transcendent out there. Mm -hmm. And at Astra is saying like, no, you have to find that between, between your ears. Yeah. and And it comes from, I mean, I think we want to believe because that's kind of how our brains are wired, right? It comes from childhood where, where you look to adults to give you information, tell you how the world works. Right. right? So I think the, I think the, the kind of using the father son um, framework to explore that idea is, is really great idea. I think it's really elegant um, exploration. I don't really, like I said, I don't know why the movie doesn't work more for me than it does. I think, I do think we touched on it briefly in our review um, that that and I, 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 I'm not even going to try to provide examples because I would, I would probably just stumble through them. Um, but I just felt like I do think I, I felt that the movie was a little bit clumsy in the details from time to time, mm-hmm. and and maybe that's what sort of kicked it down a notch for me is like, it's just sort of the execution, you know, I not not the filmmaking so much like the cinematography and the the score and everything were all very beautiful, but. Um, but just something about like the way that the story was put together. Yeah. I think at times just felt like oh, wow, a little imprecise, like a little, yeah, like a little, like they didn't think it through well enough. Like they just kind of like, yeah, there just are sort of through it, you know, there are little elements in that movie that feel very hand wavy and it's sort of yeah, like, th- and we don't need to really dwell on that too much. And it's like, I wish you did. Like, I wish you thought right. about it a little bit 
more. Yeah, and I think I, I think the writing, I think the writing at a high level was good. Like the like the meaning and the overall arc that we're talking about, I think was good. But the writing, when you zoom into like the individual pages was just a little yeah. not up to the level of the rest of the movie. Yeah, I think I'm more forgiving of those things because it's just the mm-hmm. overall way the movie made me feel, but I don't disagree. I think there's like little okay. things that if you drill in on like plot p- plot ideas or dialogue choices, it's like, wait, what? What? Why? Yeah. Um yeah. but uh but yeah, still just worked on me at a, at a at a macro level. It's a What's the what's the painter who you look at from a distance and it looks great when you get up close it looks like a mess? That's Monet. I don't know. Maybe I think, I think that's right. Uh, Let's say it's Monet. Yeah, it's it's just sully the name of Monet. Right. Space flicks, the podcast you go to for half-ass <laughs> guesses about painters. All right. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, let's see. That was your number six. Uh, six, right? Yeah. Okay. So my number six. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Okay. Yep. By Quentin Tarantino. Um, I I I really enjoyed that movie. Um, we talked about it at length. I mean, it's Tarantino, so all the usual stuff like just a lot of great dialogue, a lot of a lot of cool factor, mm-hmm. um, and I feel like you know I don't actually have a ton to say about this movie that we haven't probably already said in our review. Um, yep. I just think the I just think um, the ending, you know, very cathartic. Yeah. Um, for me, very it, like I remember. Uh, I remember when we talked about it. You didn't feel a ton of tension for most of the movie. I did because uh-huh. of because of knowing. It's like if if I didn't experience the movie this way, who knows how much I would have liked it? Yeah. But but I had this experience of most of the movie being being a little bit you know stressed about how it was going to end. Yeah. And and then kind of remembering that this was a Tarantino movie and realizing, Oh, I think that Tarantino is probably going to change the course of history. Right. I I still don't know how he's going to do it, you know, but like, but I start, but then I was a little, I I was hopeful that the ending would not be grim. And then when the ending actually played out, you know, one, it was quite enjoyable. And two, um, the sort of the, the, what do you call it? Like the denouement of, of after the climactic sort of final scene and it's just there's just some big laughs yeah you know there's some really good lines at the end it just left me feeling like really good yeah um and it was like it was like it was like holding your breath for a long time and then being able to exhale like a big nice satisfying uh exhalation so um yeah i think that's that's why it's ranked as high as it is for me for me, I, I've seen it a couple of times now, and the the thing that really sort of emerges for me, having sat with it for some time, is uh, I'm t- I'm basically totally in the bag for Leo DiCaprio now, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like he, I don't know. I think I've been resistant to him. I think there there's something about his, like just his physique, like he's got sort of a a smaller like th- trimmer build and i've mm-hmm. always sort of thought of him as like a boy right uh-huh, from like right. titanic on i'm like this is a boy playing men right yeah. and um you know like a movie like the departed for example i really struggled with because i was like who is this child playing among like all <laughs> these adults right uh-huh. uh and 
And so I, I really struggled with that for a lot of his career. I think he's a very fine actor. I've always liked his performances, right? Um, with some exceptions, like I feel like he struggled in Gangs of New York, for example. But like mm-hmm. I've I've just genuinely uh, I've genuinely liked him, but always sort of struggled like suspending my disbelief that I was like, the rest of you think he's an adult, <laughs> right? Because um, <laughs> I've always just considered him to be just a little sort of like immature um, appearing, and just something about him feels very adolescent to me until the past, you know, call it maybe five to ten years. Right. Mm-hmm. Where um, I, he I feel like he's just somehow like from Inception to Wolf of Wall Street to this. It's like I was like, OK, somehow like his um, he's reaching sort of the perfect like combination of his acting ability, what he looks like, what his reputation is, who he's, what projects mm-hmm. he's picking. Right. And like. I just love hanging out with Rick Dalton. Boy, like, do I just love hanging out with Rick Dalton? Um, yeah. He is hilarious. He, I just love his way of speaking. I love how sort of um, self-loathing and but also self-centered he is. Um, uh-huh. Just a hilarious construction. And I know that Pitt was the one who got the Oscar for that movie, right? But it's like, but for oh, me, he did I forgot that actually? Uh, yeah, that was sort of like the foregone conclusion, right? But um, but for me, uh, DiCaprio is is like the champ of that film. I just love um, lines like "I burned her to a crisp." Just will like live on in like ho- hilarity for me, um, you know, for for forever. So uh, re- that's the thing that really sort of makes that movie sing from my point of view. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm I'm with you. Although I do also think Brad Pitt was pretty awesome in the movie. He's. I think a lot of people probably just love uh, Cliff Booth from the movie. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I agree with you. I think Rick Dalton is equally... Uh, they're both amazing. Yeah, just it. just give me, like, Rick Dalton's, like, um, just anxiety. You know, like, there's something yeah. about that that works better for me than, like, the effervescent cool of a Cliff Booth who, like, is never rattled. Like, I want the guy who's, like, sort of sweating through his clothes a little bit. I like that more. Yeah. Well, I continue to enjoy the, not interpretation, because I don't think anyone would actually literally think this, but sort of like, almost like mental uh, thought experiment of of Cliff Booth just being Rick Dalton's imaginary friend. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, like Cliff Booth is just like not a real person. You know, he's like completely, uh, he's, he's completely clearly made up, right? Yeah. Whereas, whereas Dalton... That that seems like kind of maybe a real person, <laughs> right? You know, he's still a little over the top, but um, uh, okay. So that was my number six. So I can't remember. Am I giving my number five now, or yeah, you give your number five. I'm giving my number five. Okay, so my number five movie of 2019 is Little Women. Okay. Did you see Little Women? I have not seen it. This is my like great shame. So oh no, you can't even you can't even talk about it. Can't then. even talk about um, it. Okay, well, I won't. I'll try. I won't spoil anything. Um, it's a great movie. Um, I, I I think it says a lot that it's that it's number five for me. I mean, if it's number five for me, then surely for a lot of other people, it's like number one yeah. because you know it's not it's not my kind of movie at all. It's a it's a it's a period piece. I don't typically like period pieces. It's like character driven. I'm I tend to be more like of a 
fan of like plot driven movies, you know? Um, and it's just a bun- about a bunch of like women. It's about a bunch of sisters and like, and like boys that they like. And, you know, and, and I'm just like, this, 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 on paper, it does not sound like I would care at all about this movie. Right. But yeah. I think it's a really, really, um, impressive film. I think, um, I remember I saw it with Catherine and, uh, uh, who's my wife. And basically afterwards I was saying like, I feel like I cared about every character in that movie, you know, like Uh normally, and it's a big cast. Like normally, uh, if you have a cast this size, there's like a couple characters that you sort of are really emotionally following and the rest are just supporting, you know, like they're helping move the plot along or whatever. But this movie juggles like, I don't know, I want to say six to eight sort of major characters and shows you shows you kind of gives you sufficient glimpses into their hopes and dreams and fears and and strengths and weaknesses, you know, and um, and the things they're going through to the point of you just like them all and you care about them all and you really, and when they're sad, you're sad. And when they're happy, you're happy, you know? And I was just sort of marveling at that. Cause like, cause there's some characters where you're like, this character barely even matters to the plot, but like they're sort of important at the same way. And, and I, and I, I know I said, I won't spoil anything. And I, so I won't, but I will just say that the movie also kind of justifies itself in a way Mm -hmm. like it, it, in the sense that what I just said of like this character doesn't seem important to the plot. The movie actually has something to say about that, about how, about how like, no, this person is important, right? doesn't matter if, if you think they're, they, they impact the plot or not. Right. It's Uh like, it, I feel like the movie's almost like on a, on a symbolic level, like sticking up for like paying attention to people you know right <laughs> paying attention to details and people whether or not they quote unquote matter you yeah. know to the bigger picture um it's right there in the title right like little women um so i uh yeah it was just i mean i, I was just very impressed with it i think i think i loved all the characters the performances were great um it was just really well made and really and really brought me along for the ride emotionally yeah. but you didn't see it so you can't even respond no to i no that, that's that that is my biggest shame and if you look at like uh as far as like movies that i didn't get around to in 2019 um it's it's literally at the top of my list of things that i um need to see should uh, see yeah and so um i mean like i me and when i say literally i mean literally like i have a list and it is the first movie at the very top <laughs> but um so yeah i mean you know i i I've heard nothing but, uh, you know, very good things about that film. And I'm, I'm certain that I will, I will quite, uh, respect it and admire it. And, um, so, you know, I have nothing, but I have nothing to add to the conversation, unfortunately. So yeah, I recommend it. Check it out. Yep. (laughs) Uh, okay. So my number five, Mm -hmm. 1917. All right. Uh, great movie. Uh, just, I mean, I just, it's just sort of undeniably good. Um, <laughs> like, and, and, and I think, and I think that's in spite of its flaws, right? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't think, I mean, we certainly, I think, talked a lot in our podcast about our 
our feelings about the characters and whether they were richly drawn or not and whether they felt like they were ciphers or not. Um, you know, there's there's nitpicky things about like uh, the fact that it is in air quotes like a real time movie where they've somehow made what feels like a eight hour journey in like two hours, you know, stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't care about any of that, right? Uh, not 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 enough to knock it down uh, significantly. Um, just uh, just a breathless, um, extremely powerful film that has you. Uh, I, I mean, it just sort of like when I think about what do I want to feel like when I go to the movies, right? Um, I still have like muscle memory or like the sense memory of what it felt like to be sitting in a New Jersey movie theater uh, watching Saving Private Ryan for the first time, right, in Mm. 1998 with, like, sweating through the back of my shirt, like, totally on the edge of my seat, um, gripping the armrests and feeling just totally exhausted at the end, right? And that's a feeling that I quite like, right? When (laughs) When a movie can make you that invested... Uh, and scared and frightened and energized and just enraptured by what you're seeing. Like, I think that's important. Um, And 1917, while it's not saving Private Ryan, right, gave me a lot of that sort of sense memory, right? I just remember feeling tense and excited and just nervous for every step that these characters were taking, knowing that, um, you know, that anything could happen and anything does happen in the sequence in the barn, right? Like, Mm -hmm. um and so uh, just really pulling for these characters, really feeling the stakes. Uh, and, of course, the filmmaking and the cinematography um, is excellent. And so um, just a, a real achievement of filmmaking um, that I think is, you know, similar to sort of what we were saying with Ford versus Ferrari. It's like it's a big Hollywood movie and it works. Right. Yeah. And it's like, I don't think we should dismiss that. It's like, that's what Holly, that's what a Hollywood movie should do well. Totally. I, I mean, I think this, I think it's an, an amazing movie. Um, I think it should be higher on your list. Yeah. <laughs> but we're not really doing, I guess we sort of set this up as like, oh, maybe we'll argue about it a little bit. We're not really doing that. That's fine. Um, so it's higher on my list as yeah. a spoiler. Yeah. Um, so I agree with everything you said. Um, for me, I mean, it's too early to say because they're they're not they're not on an even playing field right now. Um, but like, I feel like I might like this movie more than Saving Private Ryan. Um, sure. Uh, not not by not by like a significant margin, if at all. It's it's it's, it's very possible a year from now I'll be like, what was I saying? You know, it's definitely not on the same level as Saving Private Ryan. So so it might be just recency bias, but. Um, but no, I mean, the way, the way it's like, I almost had the opposite, um, reaction from a lot of people over the, the one sort of continuous shot, you know, sort of conceit of the movie, mm-hmm. which is, which is a lot of people, I think felt like it kind of detracted because it felt a little gimmicky Yeah. to me, to me, it absolutely enhanced. Like, don't get me wrong. I understand it's not actually a single continuous take. Right. Maybe, maybe that, maybe that is is what some people didn't like that it sort of had this artificial, um, you know, like effect. Yeah. Um, but for me, what it did was 
and we talked about this um, in our review, it just made it so much more, uh, it made it so much more like visceral and, and made me feel like I was there with these characters in a way that that movie, you know, in a way that just frankly, a typical movie with cuts and editing doesn't, doesn't quite capture yeah. in the same way. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I totally get the sort of the, the weirdness that introduces with respect to actual time relapse and actual distance traveled and stuff. It's like, but I'm kind of totally fine with that. It's, it's, it's still a movie, you know, right. I still, I still recognize that. Okay. in this scene, the character actually physically walked, you know, like a hundred yards, but we'll just say that was like a few miles, you know? Right. Um, it, it, for the purpose of, of the narrative. But, um, but I think it, it, I think the single continuous take format buys the movie so much more than it, than it costs the movie. And, um, and so, yeah, I felt like right there with those characters, I don't, I don't in any way feel like they were bland or like two dimensional characters. I felt like, I felt like they were two friends, um, in a life and death situation that they felt like real people to me and it. And they, and I cared about them quite a bit. And, and I just love what the movie has to say for, you know, like we talked about when we talked about the themes of the movie in our review, like what the movie has to say about duty yeah. and finishing what you started yeah. and taking responsibility. Um, I just think it's all, I just think it's all awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. And I, and I, and I, and I feel like coming out of the movie, I think I said this at the time coming out of the movie, I thought maybe it was my favorite yeah. movie of the year. And um, I should call out that, you know, now that we're, I sort of, when we were talking about, for example, my number seven, The Irishman, I sort of talked about the things that sort of held it back, right? Mm-hmm. Now that we're in like the top five of my of my particular list, I, like I have nothing but good things to say about yeah, these, these are movies. movies. These are movies that any negative thing you say about them is just like, that doesn't really matter. It's just like I'm saying it out of these are movies I, obligation. Yeah. These are movies I loved. You know, right. um, yep. and like it's five because somebody has to be five, right? Sure. Um, sure. But it's it, but this is a movie that I, I I'm with you. I I thought it was great, and whether it is uh, at this position or a different position is a little bit. Um, I could probably make the case as to why it's here, but I it's not like I even really would strongly believe that case. Right, it's like yeah, you could put it at four. You could put it at three. You know, like you could put it. Yeah, in, they're all. These are all great movies. Yeah, yeah, in my estimation, yeah. So that was my that was my five. Okay. Do I do four now? I think so. Okay, so I'll do yes. my I'll do my four. Um, knives out. Oh, okay. Knives out. Knives out. All right, let's talk about it. Um, I just think it's uh, for the degree of difficulty. I think. It, with this movie is probably not properly understood, right? <laughs> um, right? Meaning this is a genre of film that is not popular, right? Mm-hmm. Like they don't make these, right? Right. From a director who got um, kind of, it, to- in my estimation, like totally unfairly railroaded for, uh, quote ruining Star Wars in what is actually a amazing Star Wars movie, <laughs> right. um, with uh, and he managed to create this 
totally um, familiar uh, world that is still totally original to him, right? Uh, with a plot twist that um, I've never seen before, right? Mm-hmm. Or never heard of before. Uh, he's got a marquee character that basically seems like it's going to create a franchise in Benoit Blanc, right? Mm-hmm. It is uh, smart and funny and beautiful to look at. Uh, and the fact that we got this as a little gift at the end of the year, that, and he got <laughs> he went from like having a screenplay to ha- like the screenplay in the hands of actors to like having it filmed and out in the world in less than a year is just sort of like unbelievable to me that this movie mm. exists. Mm. I'm looking forward to the next adventure of Benoit Blanc. The fact that he invented a franchise unwittingly, like yeah. just unbelievable accomplishment. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, obviously an extremely different movie than like 1917, for example. Um, but just, I just think there's something to be said for, um, comedy is hard. Mystery is hard, right? Ensemble pieces are hard. And the fact that this movie makes it all seem so effortless, um, was just so impressive to me, uh. I laughed. I had a great time at the movies, and I just love having a great time at the movies. All right. All right. All good. A very good uh, justification um, for Knives Out. I, I, I mean, I quite liked Knives Out. I, it's, it's, I, I, will, I will say it's very close to being in my top ten. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not quite there. Um, but I, I agree with everything you said. I think... Um, I think... I, I don't know that this really sets it apart from my top 10, but I will say certainly um, one thing that, that is true of everything in my top five, and I don't I don't feel as super true of Knives Out, is that um, I think every movie in my top five, at least, is definitely saying something. Like, it has a point. It has a message that it wants to tell you. Yeah. Um, Knives Out, I do think it has a bit of a message, um, but... It's one that's not really that interesting to me, to be honest. Right. Um, I think I think Knives Out is is like ninety percent about all the things you just said. It's about it's about pulling off this crazy, um, this crazy difficult feat, right? Of of like you said, the ensemble piece, the mystery, getting layering in the comedy. It's just really, 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 really skillful. Yeah. And I think. And it's very enjoyable to watch, in part because you appreciate the skill, but in part just because, because it is funny and because the performances are great and, um, and like you said, and it's beautiful to look at and all those things. Um, but it's a little, I guess it's. I mean, shallow would be harsh. It's. I don't think of it as a shallow movie. I mean, there's there's much shallower movies right. <laughs> than Knives Out, but it doesn't feel particularly deep to me yeah. either. So. I think for me, it was like, it was like great, you know, just a a great accomplishment, uh, amazing, amazingly well executed movie. Um, and I did love all those things. Um, but yeah, it didn't quite, it didn't quite hit, hit me at as well as it hit you. I view it. Yeah. I view it as a little bit of a companion piece to ready or not. Right. mm -hmm. Um, you know, like lower socioeconomic bracket interloper, is trying to navigate 
basically a you know extremely uh, unlikable and ultimately you know just totally insular self-interested family right mm-hmm. uh, wildly different stories obviously but like um and i don't to your point i don't know that there's a lot um i don't think there is a message per se other than something vaguely along the lines of eat the rich right yeah. um and for me that's all that's all i needed right um, yeah sure and so uh, I, I just want, it's, uh, you know, no, it goes well with knives out popcorn. <laughs> well, it's funny when you say, when you say it's a companion piece to ready or not, I was thinking, um, I think you said something like uh, that ready or not punches above its weight. Didn't yeah. you say something to that effect? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I, I agree with that. And I think, I think knives out is much heavier, you know, it's yeah. like, it's like, we're talking. This movie's got Daniel Craig and Jamie Lee Curtis, Chris Evans, Chris Evans, and Michael Shannon. You know, it's like, and it's directed by this A-list director. Yeah, it's like this movie had better be freaking good. You yeah. know, and it is. You know, it's like, and it's and it's actually rare in that regard because you, you and I both know often when they put together all this top talent, it's almost like expectations are so high that it can only disappoint you. Yeah. So, so one of the miracles of this movie that you didn't even mention is just that it has all these amazing people and is as good as it should be, basically. Right. right. Um, yeah. Whereas to me, L- it's lives like, up to the lives up to the billing. Right. right. If Knives Out were as good as it is, but it was made by like a person I'd never heard of and starred like people I'd never heard of, yeah. like Ready or Not. I'd probably like it more than Ready or Not. I, it it right. probably would just be that much more surprising. Like, I cannot believe this movie is this good. Yeah. Right? But but in fact, it was made by a lot of people that I'm like, these are good. These are some of the top people in Hollywood. You right, know? right. Um, and so for it to be as good as it is, is no is, is nonetheless, it's still surprising. I agree with you. And I think it doesn't take away from the movie at all. And what I'm talking about is completely 100% stuff I'm bringing to the movie. So it's not like a fair right. comparison. Um, but that's just maybe me talking out loud, sort of thinking about like why is Ready or Not more special than Knives Out? Like if they were made by the same kind of class of people, Knives Out would probably right. win. Like um, uh, like a very practical thing you could do, you could imagine yourself doing is swap the casts. Right, yeah. If Ready or Not starred the cast of Knives Out and vice versa, but the movies were like as good as they actually are in reality, yeah. Um, then I think I still would have enjoyed Ready or Not, but I think Knives Out would be the one that I'm, you know, that's number ten on my list, or right. perhaps more realistically, probably even higher on my list. I think just because of the surprise factor of yeah. like, wow, I wasn't expecting much of this movie, and look how good it is. Yeah, yeah. totally. <clears throat> All right, what's your number four? All right, my number four is The Lighthouse. All right, here we go. (laughs) Uh, So I love this movie. I mean, I don't don't know what to... I feel like our review of this movie was probably borderline incoherent. I don't remember what we even talked about. It's just, it's so surreal and so... Yeah, um, it's a wonderful movie. Um, It is, yeah. It's... and this is one of those things we talked about this at the time. Like it, do, it won't, it doesn't make my top 10. Um, because, uh, the idea of recommending it is like a very complicated prospect. 
I have there. I have people I would recommend it to. Yeah, totally. Sure. Right. But like you can't. And, and and I think it sort of got to a. I I think we described this in our in our pod about it, but it was like talking about uh, liking or not liking this movie is like a, a little bit beside the point. Um, <laughs> now that being said, I did like it, right? But it's like I don't think the movie succeeds or fails about you know, like with you walking out of the movie having a good feeling in your in your gut, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, it succeeds or fails on like a totally different dimension uh, than that. And I think that is one of the things that's great about it is it's just playing by its totally own set of rules uh, and is totally not interested in like exactly the tightrope walk that I'm describing with knives out. Right. Like Mm -hmm. the lighthouse is like, yeah, I don't care about that. Like at all. (laughs) Right. Uh, Which is great. It's great. It's great to see a film just like marching to the beat of its own drum. So talk. So yeah, yeah, you talk more about it. Sorry, you're, it's on your list, not mine. It's on my list. That's right. No, I mean, I, I don't think I have a ton of articulate thoughts to share about it. To be honest, I think it's like I think it's like a dream for me. It's yeah. Like, it's it's. I think there are. Um, I think there's really something to be said for being able to capture on film something that feels like a dream. Totally. I don't. I don't think it's just being weird and random. Right. I mean, I think right. there are movies. There are movies that attempt to just be super strange and they are super strange, but they just kind of don't leave you with anything. Whereas um, this movie to me, it feels like it's it's taking you kind of into the experience of Robert Pattinson's character. Um, I'm blanking on his name, which is fine, but uh, he's... Winslow. Winslow, that's right. Um, it's like... It's like a, you know, sort of a descent into madness meets a dream turning into a nightmare. Um, And, you know, for me, one of the first movies I saw that made me start thinking I might love movies Mm -hmm. is Mulholland Drive. Yeah. um, Which I think has a similar, it's, it's, it's in that same um, kind of like, uh, in that same category of films that make you feel like you're just in a dream, you know, Yeah. in many ways. And so I think that's why I love this movie so much is that it, it's sort of, it's not just weird for the sake of being weird. It's not just throwing random ideas and images on the screen. It's, it's kind of like taking you into this man's mind and, and you are, you're experiencing the descent into madness with him. Yeah. And, um, and for me, sort of in the same way we've talked about how, uh, it's enjoyable to watch chaos on screen or like violence on screen or things like that. When you're like, you yourself are sort of safe, um, you know, in your relatively normal life. Yeah. Uh, it's sort of the same with this where it's like, I enjoy the experience of, of, of devolving into, just some sort of in, crazed lunatic. Yeah. Uh, knowing that I myself am actually fine, I get to experience it, you know, through the movie. Right. Um, but but then the movie ends and I can just kind of go back to my car and drive home. Right. Um, but that's how the movie made me feel. I mean, it was just it was just completely insane. And 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 afterwards, I felt excited in the same way that if I if I have an insane dream, but I remember it, I also get kind of 
certain amount of excitement out of that. Yeah. You know, of like, of like, I can't believe what everything that just happened in that dream. Yeah. So, I, I feel, I think the thing to call out with the lighthouse that is, is worth like emulating and worth calling out is I also, you know, I think I've, uh, when we saw hustlers, I had this complaint. I feel like I've probably had this complaint with other things where it's like they didn't get crazy enough. Right. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. um, and there are other movies that I've seen that, uh, to your point, do get sort of whipped into a frenzy and do get really nuts. But movies that sort of do that in a sort of undisciplined or unfocused or you know random sort of way um, mm-hmm. can just be sort of exasperating or exhausting, right? In yeah. sort of like a what a, you know just you, you sort of shrug after a while and you're like this this is incoherent and doesn't make any sense. Right. Yeah. And not in the like sublime way, just sort of in the this is just a ran- bunch of random junk that you like slapped, you know, you threw at the wall to see what would stick. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and the lighthouse, to your p- earlier point, absolutely feels purposeful, absolutely feels like this is a very specific vision that holds together very coherently, just sort of within its own dream logic. Right. Yeah. Um, and does not feel at all. um slapdash or or random uh but still manages to feel chaotic and out of control in a exhilarating way um that isn't uh just somebody just trying some stuff to uh see if they can get a reaction yeah yeah so loved the lighthouse um that's another movie that when it was over i think my initial coming out of it i was like was that my favorite movie yeah of the year yeah um, I don't remember what else I'd seen by that point. That wasn't like the end of the year. Right. So. Um, but it was, it was, it was pretty outstanding. Okay. So I think I say my number three now. Yes. Which is uncut gems. That is also my number three. All right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Excellent taste. Uh, yeah. I mean, we talked quite a lot about this movie. Um, I already said that I think all the movies in my top five have sort of have something to say. Yeah. Um, and I remember we spent a decent amount of time talking about this movie and I, I, I put to you like, do you think this movie has anything to say? Yeah. And, and we got into it and I think where we, where we ended up was like, I think it has quite a bit to say. Yeah. Um, uh, but I mean, you know, the sort of the TLDR is Adam Sandler, amazing performance. Yeah. The movie is very anxiety inducing. It's like what's the scene? It's like that scene in Punch Drunk Love in the where, whole movie. In the where <laughs> right, that scene in the warehouse where his um he's getting a yeah. call from the extortionate uh like phone sex operator and his sister is bothering him with and, Emily yeah, Watson. And like, and like a forklift is like, like knocking, knocking stuff boxes over off. And, it's wonderful. And things are breaking and, and there's and the, like this percussive sound. The John Bryan and, soundtrack, yeah, it's so fantastic. Yeah. Uh, it's like that, but yeah, to your point for the entire whole movie movie of that, yeah, Yeah. it's just, it's just getting more and more hectic and insane and you can't believe what's happening and, um, edgier seat, uh, until the final, final sweet, sweet release, (laughs) if you can call it that. Right. Um, but yeah, it was just amazing. Um, anything you want to say? Yeah, it's funny. There's a, there's a few different, there's a couple different movies on my list, you know, uh, that are Hollywood being awesome, right? Like mm-hmm. most Hollywood movies are not amazing, 
right? But the I've got at least three on my list that are like, yeah, that's like just what Hollywood does, right? Uncut Gems is sort of like the opposite end of the spectrum. It's like give some weirdos access mm-hmm. to some to some good actors and like enough budget to make the movie they want, like because uh, that is a special thing too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a totally idiosyncratic vision. It is a totally um, just from the way the the way the film looks, the way the soundtrack sounds, the the nature of the who the protagonist even is in this mm-hmm. story, um, j- you know the mysticism surrounding the gem, uh, the fact that so like so much of this hinges around a man trying to sell something, right? It's just like mm-hmm. a really unusual series of uh just details that like the movie hinges on and as an un you know the movie doesn't try to be anything else it's like just totally um of itself it's it knows what it is um and to your and uh the feeling that it gives you that like increasing anxiety uh is just delightful like i don't know like some movies can make you feel tense and you feel gross, right? This movie, yeah. I felt tense, and I just lo- and I loved it the entire time. I, th- I mean, yeah, it's all because of Howard, right? Yeah. Or at least a lot of it is. I think it's it's you're you're in these intense. It's like you're in these intense moments, but he is so he's, he's so fine. seemingly so cool yeah. with it. Yeah, he's like this, this is fine. This is fine. He's like that dog, you know, in the in the web comic. The one that's the, in a burning fine. room. Yeah, yeah this, the, is, fine this is fine dog. That's Howard. Yeah. Um, uh, and you believe yeah. him, right? Like, you, you sort of know... Well, you, you, you believe him less and less. Well, like, you know, he's, you know he's dumb, right? Like, you know he's making dumb choices. But they're also, like, maybe they're crazy like a fox kind of choices, right? Like, yeah. maybe he gets it in a way that none of us do and, like, in exactly the way that he says to Kevin Garnett, right? Like, mm-hmm. you like, nobody else gets it, but you and I, we <laughs> get it, right? And in some ways, it's, like, a fun... It's fun to read that as, like, a metatextual discussion with the audience, right? Where it's mm-hmm. like, look, I know that there's people in this room with you right now, like, who are not into this. Right. Right. But you get it. Right. 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 um, So, yeah, just uh, it it just makes me so excited for for whatever uh, the Safdie brothers do do next. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's funny. One thing we didn't talk about before when we talked about this movie, you just mentioned, you know, it being on the opposite end of the spectrum of of Hollywood crushing it and it being like, oh, give some weirdos access to some top, you know, top talent and so forth. And. I think that just made me realize, you know, yes, this movie stars Adam Sandler, who's a big movie star, but he's not, he's not famous for playing, you know, he's not famous for being a great actor, right? Yes, he's done dramatic roles before, but he's, he's kind of like out of left field somewhat. And then this movie has other famous people who are not famous for being actors, right? Like Kevin Garnett is is actually a, a pretty major role in this movie and he's yeah. a basketball player who's never acted Ju- before and then yeah. julia fox yeah is uh wasn't she like an instagram celebrity or something yeah i think she's like a club girl like i, I my think- understanding is she was like she she was like a like an online influencer you know like someone with like a ton of followers 
but had never been in a movie or anything like that. So yep. they just it's just interesting that they they piece together this cast of some like people who are famous but not not really people you would normally cast in a movie. Yeah. It's an utterly bizarre like when you look at the panel that they would typically put together for this movie where they're like, We're gonna interview the actors from Uncut Gems. It was like Adam Sandler, Kevin Garnett Adina Menzel and Lakeith Stanfield. And it's like, yeah. what a weird crew, right? <laughs> or like you replace... Lakeith Stanfield is like is like the, the closest they have to like a... Or replace Garnett know. with Julia Fox. It's like, it's still just an utterly bizarre like yeah. collection of people and it just hangs... To, the weekend, you know what I mean? Like e- even, even Adina Menzel is, you know, she she's most famous for being the voice of Elsa, yeah. right? Yes. So... So it's like she's not famous for being in roles like this either. So everybody's doing something kind of yeah. out of the ordinary just, for them. Just a great surprise, that movie. Yeah. All right. So that was your number three, which became my number three, which is also my number three. So I'm going to go to my number two, which was mm-hmm. your number seven, which is Marriage Story. Ah, okay. Right? So we, are, we already talked about that. Um, just a really, really moving film for me. Uh, really sort of perfect tightrope walking um, and uh, just really validates, I think, Baumbach as like a, to me, like an A-list director, um, Adam Driver as an A-list performer. And frankly, like reaffirmed that Scarlett Johansson is like a tremendously talented actor. I think it's easy to dismiss actors who are most famous for being like in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, for example, mm-hmm. right? But she's like an A plus actor, period. Well, yeah, I mean, it's funny. You say reaffirms. For me, it sort of like establishes for the first time because I, I couldn't have told you. I mean, she's probably been really good in movies before. Yeah. Um, but, but I don't think, I mean, even when I think of if I just filter out, you know, okay, forget the Black Widow role, but, but other than that, what other movies has she been in? I th- can think of plenty of movies, you know, like Match Point, by Woody Allen or, yeah. or like, uh, or actually he, she was in a couple by Woody Allen, I think. Yeah. Or, um, or oh, shoot. I was, for I was me, just blanking for on one. like lost in translation. Or I was going to say her. her Go, oh, okay. The voice. The yeah. 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 Or lost in translation. Like she's good in all those, but I, it's, it's not like any of those I would say, Oh, amazing performance from Scarlett Johansson. Right. It's just, it's just not like, I mean, she's, she's certainly not bad. Like, She's doing the role well. Right. Um, but this is really one of the first movies. It's actually this and Jojo Rabbit also of this year. Yeah. Where I was like, wow, I feel like Scarlett Johansson's like actually really good. Yeah. You know, yeah. as opposed to just, yeah, no, she's good. Yeah. So, um, so it was a bit of a revelation for me, Scarlett Johansson's performance in this. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. Like I, I think back all the way to Ghost World, right? Well, same. But, but again, even with Ghost World, I don't, I don't, uh, it's not like that was an amazing performance from my perspective. But at the time I was like, I was like, Oh, she's good. She's going to have a good career. Right. Um, and just the fact that like, you know, this many years later, she is just to me knocking it out of the park in movies like marriage story. And I would agree Jojo rabbit. It's like, Mm -hmm. um, it's just like good for her. You know what I mean? Like I know, and I know that she gets a lot of flack for some of like her, uh, personal choices and like messages that she puts out in the world. But like on, you know, on celluloid, um, she's just a tremendous asset to any movie. Uh, 
even you know you think back like and the fact that she chooses to do like total weirdo movies like mm-hmm. under the skin for example right. like yeah. uh, which is great which is a really good movie like um you know i just uh, you know what a like what a great marriage uh sorry no pun intended of you know just three major talents in one place agreed and yeah i mean for me if certainly when it comes to Noah Baumbach, um, it definitely, I think I might've said this before, but it, it definitely kicked him up a few notches for me. Like, like he was not a director who previously I'd be really looking forward to his next movie. Yeah. It would, it would always be one I'd be interested in, you know? Um, but I never thought of him as like in the top, uh, where like it's it like, I got to check out what he puts out. I think, I think at least for his next couple of movies, um, I will feel that way now after this one. Yep. Like when Noah Baumbach makes another movie, it'll be like, oh, wow. But it, I think for two reasons. One, for me, from my perspective, because, oh, I've seen this and now I know that he's capable of this. But actually another reason would be that now he knows he's capable of this. Mm-hmm. Like I actually feel like this movie probably was him pushing himself to do something a little bit more... I don't know. I, I want to say ambitious. I don't know why I want to say that, but like it, for, for it to have gotten the recognition it got, you know, right. and for, for it to have been as well received as it was, I, I almost just feel like, oh, that might, that might unlock opportunities for him just in terms of thinking of himself as a filmmaker and what, what he wants to do next, yeah. you know, because, because I think historically he's done these pretty, um, uh, you know, just kind of like these, these relatively, I don't know. I, I think I'm, I think I'm sort of just like, I'm probably saying stuff without a lot of backing, but I, I feel like he's been, he's been making like relatively small stakes movies Yeah, and that, that he might go a little, you know, he might swing a little bit more for the fences after this one. Right. And I, and I think, um, I, I don't disagree with that. Like if I think back to just for a couple of recent movies that he's directed, um, like Meyerowitz stories or um, while mm-hmm. we're young, you know, his lead actor in those movies is basically Ben Stiller. Right. Mm-hmm. And Ben Stiller is a fine actor. I like Ben Stiller. Um, but I think he is like a noteworthy, you know, uh, step below actors of the caliber that are in marriage story. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's just another example. It's like, um, it's funny because like Sandler, for example, was like one of the lead actors in Meyerowitz stories. And I feel like, but that particular character and Sandler's performance in that particular movie is very sort of low key and feels very much just like Adam Sandler. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, there's something a little bit more, uh, like in uncut gems, like obviously the Safties are asking Sandler to stretch, quite a bit from his sort of natural persona. Right. Um, and I think in, uh, marriage story, uh, Baumbach is basically pushing his actors to do more than like, just be their charming selves. Right. He's like, no, you're going to have to like scream at one another and like break down in tears. Right. And it's going to have to be like one of the most brutal scenes you've ever had to film. So, um, and I think it takes a lot of gumption for a director to like write a scene like that, right? And say mm-hmm. like, and I need you to uh, like break the wall, and <laughs> you know, like 
just yeah. you know it's it, to your point i think he really is going for it like the the emotional stakes of what's happening the personal stakes of what's happening are like as serious as it gets within sort of like american um life within a certain socioeconomic bracket right like yeah uh and so yeah i agree it, it does feel like a step change uh in sort of the stakes that he's working with and i i look forward to seeing what he does next absolutely yeah it'll be it'll be it'll be interesting to see if if he does go if this is going to be more of an outlier for him yeah or sort of the new normal yeah we'll see um okay so Back to me, I think, yep. for my number two. That's right. Um, my number two is 1917. Yeah. So we've already kind of covered this one. I loved this movie. Um, I think I pretty much already said all the reasons I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so just just a little bit more than you, I guess. Um, so that puts it ahead of, for me, uh, yeah. So for me, like, t- to I guess a good point of comparison would be, whereas for you, Uncut Gems was number three for both of us. 1917 wasn't quite at that level um, for you. For me, um, what puts it ahead of even even a movie as great as Uncut Gems is, I think, I mean, frankly, I think it probably comes down to just how much I love the, uh, again, the, 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 the fact that it's like an ode to, to sort of keeping a promise you know, mm-hmm. um, yep. and, and, and that, I think that I'm just a sucker for that. I think it's like it, on top of everything else, on top of going through all of these experiences with these characters and how visceral that is and how emotionally impactful that is. I think I just love that fundamentally what is driving the story is characters who feel a sense of duty and who feel a sense of I have to do what I said I would do no matter what. Yeah. Right. Um, and that is what, what is so powerful about this movie to me. So that's my number two of 2019. And with that, we are getting to number one, which I am a hundred percent positive is the same <laughs> for right. both of us. I will be shocked if you, if this is not your number one. That's movie. right. Of course it is Avengers Endgame. No, <laughs> <laughs> nope, not Avengers Endgame. So my number one movie of 2019 is Parasite. Yeah, it's Parasite. Um, Just, we already had, obviously, a very yeah. lengthy conversation about Parasite. And we are not certainly not alone in thinking that Parasite no. was the best movie of the year. It won the Academy Award for Best Motion Picture. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's historic. It's historic. Yeah. Right. Uh, First foreign language film to win Best Picture. Yeah. Right, I think? Uh, yes. The artist I think it didn't was. qualify for that technically, right? It was like Why a, is that? Because it was a silent film. Oh, okay. okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so there you go. Um, yeah, not, not international, but foreign language. Right, right, right. So, right. Okay, so, so perhaps we're... Perhaps we're splitting hairs, so it's maybe not the first um, non-American movie to win Best Picture, but it is, yeah, I mean, it's put it this way, it's the first one with subtitles. <laughs> right. right. No, I mean, it, you know, and I think the thing to call out is, like, that is a detail that, um, you know, I think is, for for people who love film, is pretty easy to get past, right? Like, um, oh, yeah. And just, you know, the... The sh- like I think something that really stands out um, 
especially at the tops of our lists. I'm looking at your your number two and your number three and your number four. Like, there's so much originality in mm-hmm. in these films, right? Um, uh, which one was your number five? Little Women, right? Okay, Little so Women. aside from Little Women, which is an adaptation, <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah. your fir- your top four um, are just so stunningly original, like Lighthouse, Uncut Gems, 1917, right? Parasite, like you've never seen movies like these before, right? Yeah. Um, and so Parasite, I think, just stands like um, chief among them as being this, uh, it's like a movie that could only have been made in South Korea, yet it feels universal. Um, it's got a twist that in hindsight feels like, um, no, like no movie will ever be able to have a twist like that. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like again, right? Like that's the, that's the one you get, right? Um, the, the themes, the filmmaking, um, the verticality of the movie, right? Just like Mm -hmm. the, just the, the sheer way it sort of helps you understand like the poles between the haves and the have nots visually, spatially, um, the, the, the writing, the performances, it's just, everything is, is like basically perfect in this movie. Um, It it feels modern, but timeless. It's just like, it's just this, you know, I've, I feel like I've probably used the word miracle too many times in this podcast, but, um, (laughs) only once or twice, it's just so special. It's just so special. Um, and again, we're not we're not alone in thinking this. Obviously, like millions and millions of people feel this way. But it, it you know, well, I mean, can't I all be say, wrong. This is I'm going to say something that doesn't really mean anything to anyone but you. Um, but I feel like Parasite, even though even though it's different in the sense that, like you just said, tons of people love Parasite. Nonetheless, for me, Parasite is kind of the new uh, prestige. Right. Right. <laughs> where. The movie The Prestige, you and I have talked about so many times and just kind of bonded over feeling the movie is just so freaking good. Right. Just so amazing. Like there's I just love it so much, <laughs> you know? Um, and it's like it's like it it's it it makes you it makes you start to sound dumb because um because it's just like I can't even saying the specific things I like about the movie just feels too small. I just need to say everything about it is great. Right. Like the whole thing, start to finish, top to bottom is amazing. Yeah. You know, it's kind of how I felt for a long time. I still feel, to be honest, about the prestige. Yeah. But I feel that way about so few movies and I feel that way about Parasite. It's just the whole darn thing is outstanding. You know, it's like it starts and it's amazing and you keep watching it and um, you're loving every minute of it. And then the movie turns out to be more than you think. And then that's all amazing. And it's just like, and the execution is perfect. Yeah. Um, um, and, and yeah, and I just find myself like when I think about it, I start to get dumb. Like I said, like, like, my my admiration and enthusiasm for the movie just kind of overwhelms me yeah and i can't even articulate it because i'm just like you just have to it's just so good yeah (laughs) you know um the and just something about the movie like we're we it's very easy to talk about 
the categories of things that are good about the movie, like the acting or the screenplay, right? Like, mm-hmm. but I think the details in the movie are just exquisite, right? Mm-hmm. Peach fuzz, Ramdan, Jessica, yeah. Chicago, right? Uh-huh. Like, it's a chimpanzee. The sh- like the hammer throw, right? Just like Oof. the yeah. like um the stone, right? Like just the details in this movie are just exquisite and unforgettable and other movies don't use them, right? It's just Mm -hmm. like, um, it just feels so perfect in every little detail. So like, it's easy to talk about all the big things the movie does right, but the tiniest things the movie does right, um, the scars on the basement dweller's forehead, Right, like mm. um, the sound of the chain, uh, like as uh, you know, as the young man like runs up the stairs, like to escape, mm-hmm. like just everything about every little detail, you just want to drink it in and memorize all of them. Um, and it's sort of it's funny, like I feel that way to uh, to a slightly diminished degree about, for example, like uncut gems. Right, mm-hmm. I just love the details in Uncut Gems. I love the artwork that's in Howard's second apartment. I love the play that his daughter is in. I love mm-hmm. um, the clothes that Howard wears. I love all of the ephemera and the blue light in his office. I love how he gets the magnetic door to unlock with like fu- like fi- metal filings. filings <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Um, just like you know i think when it's something that these movies get really right is like really get if you can really drill in and make these details feel like the idiosyncrasies and particularities of a, of a lived in like because we all have them right we all have um you know the 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 snacks rituals things that we say yeah right yeah. that are particular to us and our families or our friends or our relationships right the uh, acronyms that we use at work that nobody else uses right like these are all right. things that um really make up a believable life and i feel like parasite just nails every single one knocks them all out of the park it does it's a special movie it's uh it's kind of one of a kind yeah um, yeah and yeah, and and I mentioned before, like when we when I came out of 1917, for example, and I had this initial sort of coming, you know, being on this high from having just seen this outstanding movie and having this thought, like, is this my favorite movie of, of 2019? Um, like, did I like this even more than Parasite? But then I feel like all it took was like a day to reflect. And, you know, 1917, I obviously loved. It was still my number two of the year. But just after some time and after that high initial high had worn off and thinking about them both being like, no, no way, no way. Yeah. (laughs) Parasite is kind of untouchable. Yeah. Um, It'll be like, I feel like it'll be a long time, meaning multiple years before I see a movie that even competes with Parasite. Yeah. So, so yeah, a great movie. Great. Totally deserving. I feel like it, um, I'm happy that it won Academy Award. Obviously, like uh, that's not that's not the be all end all, and right. I don't really even care that much about a movie that wins the Academy Award. But I really do feel like this movie is just so good that it like 
broke through mm-hmm. whatever whatever sort of like you know weird barrier unsaid barriers exist for foreign language films and films that are maybe a little bit weirder or more more unusual you know it just was like so good it's goodness expanded out and hit all the people in the academy who normally wouldn't have yeah. voted for a movie like that you know yes yeah, it's, um, it's it's pretty amazing the the scope of the impact that that movie has been able to have and i even think about like something really simple like uh they got memories of murder released you know like shortly after like parasite became a thing like memories of murder like it was really hard to get in the united Mm -hmm. states and like now you can because it's like people are just like hungry for more stuff by from bong joon ho bong joon ho you know and it's just sort of like pretty incredible because that's a great movie right um yeah and uh just the idea that like it's so successful that there was a groundswell of demand for a movie that's like what over a decade old mm. South Korean subtitle starring nobody you've kn- nobody you know right? <laughs> right and they're just like oh well we have to make this available in America because Americans are clamoring for it right like it's just amazing yeah no i love it um all right, so that concludes our um, top tens. Did yes. you want to? Um, did you want to talk about any of your uh, honorable mentions? Yeah. So just um, just a quick uh, sort of reconciliation. Uh, Once upon a time in Hollywood didn't make my top ten, but it was my mm-hmm. it was my number eleven. Okay. Um, Lighthouse was number sixteen for me. Right, I quite right. quite like it. Um, and obviously, uh, again, I have uh, homework to do as far as Little Women. Um, I, I feel like it might be good to call out a couple of uh, honorable mentions uh, yeah. that didn't make uh, either of our top tens, but um, I think are really worthy movies and deserving of whatever attention uh, they can get because um, I think they are special. I think they are, um, you know, they have highly distinct visions. Uh, and warrant i know exactly what you're gonna say star wars episode nine the rise of skywalker yeah that's that was that felt that <laughs> fell below the uh the water line for me as far as like oh, okay. dislike um but uh i'm gonna nominate i'm gonna call it uh three really quickly um number uh on outside of my top 10 but movies that i quite liked uh transit uh mm. transit was very high on my overall list. Uh, I just think it's a, speaking of like a movie feeling like a dream, right? Mm-hmm. I think transit mm-hmm. has qualities like that. Yeah. 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 Um, and there's something very Kafka esque about that picture. And you and I both love a good Kafka esque narrative. <laughs> um, so it's that, true. that's definitely a movie that, uh, is basically about, um, the, uh, the Nazis uh, encroaching on a European town, uh, but they stage the entire thing as if it's modern day and they never say the word Nazi. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's just a, it's a, it's a wonderful film. Um, another two others, uh, the laundromat, uh, mm, which I haven't seen. Uh, it's, it's a really good Steven Soderbergh movie about um, the Panama papers and basically uh, just the way that sort of uh, money 
moves throughout the world and corrupts and um, and the very and the the financial firms that are sort of enabling that. Um, mm-hmm. It's funny and devastating and has great performances from um, Antonio Banderas and Gary Oldman and Meryl Streep and others. Um, just a really really su- like Steven Soderbergh is. Uh, an American treasure and uh, <laughs> we should always just make sure to, to call, to call that out. And then another movie that is, is not quite as high on my list, but I still think is really admirable. Um, like the fact that I have it above, for example, portrait of a lady on fire is like, mm-hmm. I think uh, noteworthy. Um, it's this really tiny movie called the standoff at Sparrow Creek. Um, mm. And uh, it all takes place basically inside a warehouse uh, where a bunch of militiamen, are trying to smoke out uh, which one of them uh, likely committed a, a mass murder, right? Mm. Um, and uh, just a really, it's, it's you know, small budget, first-time director, um, and just really uh, good performances, uh, interesting script, interesting characters, um, done on a shoestring budget and still comes off as a really... Uh, really tense, uh, great, uh, sort of freshman, freshman film. Any, uh, honorable mentions for you that you want to call out? Um, you know, uh, well, I guess one. So in terms of reconciling, um, so, you know, you had knives out pretty high on your list. That was number 11 for me. Yep. Um, Ad Astra was 12. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and ford v ferrari was 13 okay yeah so all um, just outside all just in. outside that's right um the farewell was 23 on my list yeah. so i i said that that was you know way outside my top 10 and and that's what i that's the case um but again i liked everything up to and including 29 <laughs> um the only honorable mention that hasn't been discussed at all for me would probably be uh, the movie Us yeah. by Jordan Peele. Yeah. Um, I think I I did really like that movie. I think a lot of, <clears throat> frankly, a lot of the movie um, I, I, I probably thought I was going to sort of have a higher overall opinion of it. Yeah. Um, the ending is kind of the weak point for me. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a stick the landing problem with us. Yeah. yeah, it 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 kind of it kind of I don't want to say falls apart because I don't think it it doesn't like become a bad movie because of the ending or by any stretch, but um, the ending is just a little clumsy and and it's one of those endings where um, my feeling is it it explains too much that it didn't need to explain and the explanation is not very good. Um, and the movie would have been fine if it didn't even try to explain some of the things that it tries to explain at the mm-hmm. end. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's kind of my feelings about us, but I mean, it's still an incredibly well made, um, and very suspenseful and intense, uh, horror thriller. Yeah. Um, I think some of the imagery and some of the just performances, I mean, it's really unique, right? These mirror performances that all the actors give of their, their sort of yeah he- healthy and normal 
you know, main, main world self and then this dark, twisted, really creepy, haunting underworld version of yeah. himself. Um, and that's really good. And I think that that definitely will stick with me and is extremely memorable. Um, I think Lupita Nyong'o's performance in particular is, uh, is, 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 you know, raises the hair on the back of your neck creepy. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so, and, and I think aside from the clumsiness of the execution of the ending, I think the sort of theme of the movie is, um, is pretty well, uh, illustrated through the, through the, you know, just the setup of everything. So, uh, yeah, that would be my one honorable mention that we, that we didn't touch on already. Yeah. Very, yeah. Very good movie. Uh, quite like it. I agree that, um, you know, it doesn't, the whole thing doesn't hang together, but that doesn't make the individual moments less special. Um, I will, mm-hmm. I will still have, uh, you know, the image of Winston Duke, uh, who plays, uh, Nyong'o's husband in the film, uh, like falling out of the boat. Uh, mm-hmm. when the motor kicks on when he's not expecting it to. Like that image, uh, a wide shot of him falling out of the boat, just sticks, just really stuck with me as being um, scary and funny and mm-hmm. uh, just the mechanic of the boat sort of stopping and starting being sort of this element of chaos that makes the scene go. Um, it's just really excellent filmmaking. And yeah, I mean, I think everybody's excited for whatever Jordan Peele does next. And so um, this did, this did very little to diminish that just even though it's not, it doesn't achieve the highs of get out like what can. Right. Um, Yeah. And so uh, yeah, it's, he's, he's a major talent. The performances in this movie are great. Um, And this, this is certainly a, a, you know, as far as sophomore, like if, as far as sophomore films go, it's certainly, uh, it might not be as good as get out, but I certainly wouldn't call it a slump. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. It's a, it's like a, it's like if his first movie was a home run, his next one was like a, a double or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was not. It was not. It was, he didn't strike out by any means. Right. It just wasn't quite as amazing. Totally. Um. Okay. So, uh, just for funsies, uh, you want to say what the what is it at the bottom of your list? <laughs> the the worst movie I saw in 2019 was Disney's Aladdin. Oh, interesting. I didn't even see Aladdin. The live the Guy Ritchie Aladdin. Right. Right. Uh, oh man, that's that's un, that's un sad to hear. I, I kind of I expect my expectation is that I bet I'll like that movie. Boy, I boy <laughs> I hated that movie. Um Oh man, like, hated. Wow. Well, it's just I mean, look, it's this bloated like here's it's 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 like you know what we'll do? Is we'll take a movie that's like pretty good, which is like the original mm-hmm. Aladdin. We'll make it uh longer and will make every detail worse right uh-huh. and so it's right. like the the perform like it's it's bloated the the musical performances deviate from the original and like every single time in ways that i'm like that made it worse um <laughs> right uh yeah. it's just, you know i it, it just got everything for for whatever reason for me working against it and so that was my least favorite movie that i saw in in 2019 all right what about you? Well, well, my least favorite, according to this list, although I actually, 
I, I said I, I I guess it is true that I didn't like the movie. It's the Adams family. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I, I saw that with I saw that with uh, my kids and uh, yeah, it just I don't know. It was fine. Right. <laughs> it's I I wouldn't say like I disliked it, but I didn't like it. It was. That was a movie that the trailer. Uh, I I th- I feel like I might have called this out once before, but like the trailer, the quality of the animation that you could see in the trailer, I mm-hmm. felt was so poor. That, uh, yes, I remember that I was yeah. offended. I was <laughs> like, you expect people to pay money to see this? <laughs> this is like yeah. this is like Nickelodeon quality animation, right? Um, yeah. To be clear, I don't. I don't think the animation quality is it was my main gripe. I think it just was. Uh, you know, not good. Not not particularly special. I will say, um, right above the Adams family on my list is Captain Marvel. Yeah. Which, which again is, is sort of similar. I was just like, oh, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I was kind of like looking forward to that movie after Avengers: Infinity War, and they're right. like, ooh, Captain Marvel's gonna be the super important character. And then that movie, I was like, it wasn't like that good or anything. Yeah. (laughs) I'm with you. I mean, pretty bottom tier Marvel. Captain Marvel wasn't second from the bottom for me, but it was below the Mason Dixon line. It was below, you know, what I considered to be movies I liked. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, I I already said, I do think I liked Captain Marvel, but, um, it's, uh, yeah, not by, not much. (laughs) Right. Right. I liked it like I like, you know, like you, like if someone offers you a piece of candy that you don't generally eat, you're like I'm like for me it would be like a Milky Way. Right. I'm like I don't really I'm like I would never buy a Milky Way. Right. If you're going to offer me one, yeah. I'm, I'll I mean, eat but it. I do like sugar, right? <laughs> right. It's yeah. like it tastes good, I guess. You know? Right. Yeah. Um So, okay. Well, we've we've gone through our top 10 and then we just just for fun, we just pooped on <laughs> couple of movies at the bottom of our list well i think it's you know it makes it interesting. Why not? Yeah. uh yeah but i think overall uh 2020 2019 was a very successful year for movies there are many movies that i liked year mm-hmm. started off super slow and i feel like by the end of the year there's just tons of movies that are worth recommending and, and admiring so um yeah makes me really grateful for uh, you know a great year at the cinema uh, and really, really sad that 2020 is looking like it's going to be, uh, you know, just not going to be that many movies. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah it's going to be, a, it's going to be a bizarre year looking back. Yeah. But we'll always have, uh, our 2019 films to keep us warm and we can revisit them whenever we want. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, stay tuned, uh, space flicks listener, uh, Dan and I shall return, uh, with 2020 movies, uh, with the next episode. Um, but for right now, just bask in the warm glow of the sweet goodness. That is the 2019 top 10s. That's right. Just watch them over and over again. Yep. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody.